Hey, this is Gavin Russell from Bush, and you're listening to Appetite for Distortion. You know where you are. For distortion. Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode number 290. My name is Brando. Welcome to the show, Mr. Gavin Rossdale. How are you, sir? I'm good, thanks. You're doing 290 shows. That's crazy. It 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 really is. And today, as I'm recording it, it's uh, recording this this interview. It's National Radio Day, and today, and I'm going to count college. It's my 20th year in uh in radio, which I, I don't know how that's possible. Congratulations! It, trust me, it happens. It creeps up on you, and you can't believe it yourself. I'm oh. experiencing that every day. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I want to get to some of those, uh, you know, memories and anniversaries that you celebrate um, later on. But first, because I, I just watched the trailer for Habit, and it seems really up my alley. You you play, um, well, I'm going to let you kind of describe it, because you play, well, it's a drug dealer to kind of say, that's kind of minimizing it, right? Like, you're much more than just a drug dealer. Well, the, Eric, my character, used to be a TV star, so he had a he had a full life. And um, I guess it just ebbed away and uh, he lost his way and, you know, show gets canceled, his his star diminishes and he sort of is living up in the hills, uh, dealing drugs to uh, young Hollywood. And um, all the time, you know, really trying to, you get the sense that he's trying to wish he could find his way back and wish he, you know, he doesn't want to be that guy. And then he just basically, like all... Um, well, not like all, but in the sense of he's just out of his depth. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's not a criminal, but he's in he's in in within criminal activity, and things just go from bad to worse for him. And you know, we all take wrong turns, but he took like seventeen wrong turns. And so, I liked him as a character. I liked the way it was written, and I liked the fact that he was just didn't mean to be such a criminal. You know what I mean? Mm. So, how did you first? Because you've acted uh, before. But is this like your your most involved role? Would you say? Mm, uh, well, I mean, I, I try to be involved in show to every movie. I think I've done about six or seven movies. So, I mean, it's just a uh, you know you try and do the job right, and you do as 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 you're given, and and the the width of the part, whatever is the width is the width of the part. So it's it's a great part, and um, I was happy to be in this movie along with Bella, uh, and I don't quite know I got second billing, but. Whatever. I was like, really? <laughs> but I thought it was kind of passing through the movie, but uh, that's cool. And um, yeah, I mean, I just want to get get a try and be as good as I can for every movie. I mean. Sure, and that's what I mean by involved. Not saying um, not like dedicated involved. Meaning, you know, you're up there with Bella Thorne on the on the poster. Your name is up there. So, would this? Do you think this is like the biggest character you've ever played, as far as maybe lines and screen time? Yeah, weirdly enough, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, it's definitely the biggest billing I've ever got. Okay. Um, and uh, that's a, that was a fun surprise and nothing that I realized when I first took on the role. You know, I just thought it was a, you know, like 
you know, I always base my stuff off of Tom Waits and him showing up in movies. And mm. I don't know, sometimes you can just like affect a movie, but you don't have to be in it that much. And um, so, yes, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's turning out to be a bigger role than I anticipated. Okay. So what first uh, drew you to the role? Were you friends with Bella Thorne before? Uh, I know B- Paris uh, Jackson's in the movie. So how did you first find out about this movie and your, and your role? Uh, this is the, through, um, I don't quite know how it came about, but Donovan Leach, who's one of the producers on it, he, we go back a long way. And I guess my name came up in conversation from someone. And uh, I just went to, to meet Janelle, the director, and... Um, and uh, Donovan for for lunch and like the thing was is that you know I've done tons of I've done lots of movies and I've also done lots of auditions and uh, mm. so what's what was nice what I liked about it was that my part uh, was well written you know like the words and so for that reason it just it was like it resonated with me you know what I mean I thought well here's a bit more to get hold of and there was also acting off of the lines like I did that in Constantine. Um, where I was given a kind of space away from dialogue. And that, to me, is the kind of difference between a larger part and a, and a smaller part, really. Most, a lot of the time, most people in movies are kind of like the conduits, you know, they're like stepping stones for, for scenes or for explaining things or this and that. And it's usually the, the main stars that get given the, the, the freedom and the width to roam in a scene and just be in that scene, you know. And so that's I did like that, you know. That was like, oh, okay, nice. And you can show up to work and really give it without having to without to speak. And I enjoyed it for that. So um, I did like that about it. But yeah. Um, so when I sat with Janelle and um, Donovan, I just liked her. You know, I thought she was interesting. You know, she was an amazing photographer. And you know, in this world of ever changing kind of evolution towards the power of women, which is. I, totally endorse um it was fun to go and, and work for a first time female director i thought that you know i hadn't, I hadn't I had the chance to do that i mean my previous film was sophia coppola okay she pretty experienced so it wasn't her first time and that was an incredible experience working for her because she is calm and assured and, and brilliant how do you prepare for a role? Because it's obviously got to be completely different than preparing for a concert to perform in that that manner. So, how do you prepare? You know, your lines. Do you really get into character? Did you what, what research did you do? Did you hang out with with drug dealers? Like, how did you prepare? Um, well, I come from London, so it's a you know it's a city of London of drug dealers. Um, sure. <laughs> so I didn't need to do much reference on that stuff. Um, it's just really a case of uh, for me kind of running the lines a lot and just imagining who this person is and giving him a little context. So it was really important early on to give him the context that he was just hapless, a bit hapless and lost and ultimately kind of depressed about his life. It wasn't a guy who set out to be a drug dealer. It's a guy who set out to be an actor and he got uh, chewed up and spit out by the Hollywood machine. That's how I saw it. And he's left with these um, minimal options. Now, you know what I mean? They, of course, you can go and get a regular job. You don't actually have to go straight to selling sure. drugs, but that doesn't make a good movie. You know, the guy goes, you know, gets his real estate license. You know, <laughs> it's not, not, not quite the same cachet. Right. Um, and uh, so by running the lines more and more, and and because it was well-written, you could, like, there's no wasted words. There should be no wasted words in movies. You know what I mean? Mm. 
there shouldn't be wasted words in anything actually no one should waffle on more than they need to but so if you take every word as something um, important and, and like imbued with like um history you know you could take any sentence and you can give a whole backstory to it you know the more backstory you can give to it the more it becomes like three-dimensional as opposed to just words on a page which i think is the most interesting thing about acting per se is that ability to lift words off of the page and make them real like a complete you know, real connected connective conversation that um you know either you know you're getting information searching for something or seducing something or running from something you know it's usually one of those three things like what do you want like what do the words want and that's how i get it but you know what i mean i, I mean i don't know I may not be any good at it. <laughs> what is um? Do you have like an ultimate role that you want to play? You know, going forward, is there kind of a kind of movie and a kind of role that you um you aspire to to play and, and to be in? Well, um, I think that um, I'm I'm doing another movie with Janelle actually, where I, I probably get to play quite a bit a bigger part. But um, I, I think that that it's just about I I like those human human drama you know those kind of things where people just take wrong turns and just get 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 embroiled in in situations they shouldn't shouldn't be in you know any kind of coen brothers movie or you know tarantino this is all these 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 situations where people find themselves in um extreme situations uh and uh really as human as possible like a, a the whole you know, super Superman stuff. It's not really like that's not necessarily my what I like. You know, the actors I like is like Jack Nicholson and Sean Penn and mm. you know, kind of Christian Bale, Daniel Day Lewis. You know, those kind of meaty. They're always in like crazy meaty films with uh, beautiful human transgressions. You know. Yeah, I get that. So is there, I mean, I know you mentioned a couple, but do you have a favorite, you know, instead, instead of asking a favorite actor, what's your favorite movie of all time? Uh, you... Probably Silence of the Lambs because Ooh. of Anthony Hopkins. He's my favorite actor. And that just is like his, the ultimate role of menace and um, kind of class. You know what I mean? Like the, the, the disconnect between he'd eat your liver, but um, Hannibal Lecter, he'd eat your liver, but he's, the smartest man in any room and really learned and esoteric and full of culture and just that kind of twist is dark so that movie's been difficult to beat for me in mm. terms of my top ones but you know like all the traditional actors you know the older actors you know De Niro any any De Niro any early Scorsese or late Scorsese any Scorsese film you know those kind of Large than life characters, you know. I think Leo is a fantastic actor. I think Tom Hardy is probably my one of my favorite actors. You know, and these guys, they all have crazy backstories with their characters. Their characters are like so big and full, you know. Right on. Yeah, absolutely. I totally get what you're saying. So, are you um like when you're not doing stuff with with Bush? And obviously, there was the the downtime of because you know the apocalypse, everything that's happening and. I know you guys are going to go back on the back on the road, but, and before I get to that, uh, are you like a big movie buff? Is that what you do when you're downtime a lot? Are you because you sound like you know you know all the actors? You sound like a, a movie nerd. Uh, well, you know, I just enjoy it. It's an incredible art form. Um, I enjoy it like anyone, and like anyone, I get a super 
um, pissed off when the, the movie doesn't work out to be very good. <laughs> you know, you see yeah. through it. But, uh, you know, I just like, I just like anything that's done well. I mean, television has really overtaken movies. Um, now, you know, it feels as though we, we all kind of, there's more kind of chat about a lot of um, TV shows than there are, um, or as much as movies, you know, whereas it used to be only about movies, really, and TV was like the kind of redhead stepchild, you know, and now movies, um, TV is seen like these extended movies and binge watching stuff. I fell in love with Kingdom, you know, I, mm. I, I wanted to, um, I was just, for whatever reason, a friend of mine did the music for it and told me to watch this, the show Kingdom and uh, I really got involved in it. So it was like amazing acting, you know, very really well written. Um, yeah. So TV is, is also really, really uh, full on. Cool. And interesting. I think a lot of us, I don't know if I'll ever get sick of TV, but obviously we a lot of us have been stuck inside the past year and a half, two years watching TV. So we're all anxious to go back out and experience live music again. So can you just kind of talk about your excitement? Because I know you're doing some dates with uh, obviously Bush and Stone Temple Pilots. Um, how do you feel about going uh, back on the road with everything? You know, Nine Inch Nails has canceled their tour, uh, but Guns N' Roses is still going. So I guess how do you feel going back out on stage? Um, I can't believe it's going to happen, really. Did, did, did uh, Nine Inch Nails cancel? Was that a tour or just a show? A tour. They, they canceled the whole tour today. Oh, wow. On the grounds of just like, don't know how to keep it safe. Yeah. And so did uh, BTS. I don't know why I know that, but BTS has also canceled their tour. Yeah. I mean, I suppose certain people stipulate vaccines uh, to get in, vaccine cards to get in, which kind of makes sense. Um it's a mess, right? I, I, to me, I, I, I'm a bit confused why anything is happening this year when numbers are going up, the, mm. var- the Delta variants around. But you know what I mean? It's like it's 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 still majorly screwed up, and I don't. I personally don't understand. I mean, it's not me booking it, but I'm just like, really, we can actually play this year. And I, it's a bit like Australia. You know, I did. We had these. Uh, we meant to go to Australia twice and been twice postponed obviously and still postponed till I don't know when next year or something but I was doing even when I did all the press I did like two or three days of press and I just kept thinking why are we doing this it's not going to happen hmm. and then did all the press and then boom it doesn't happen so it's like that's what's surprising things when things go ahead I, I mean the fact that our stuff might go ahead is really um, uh, confusing to me um, and it's just I don't, you know what I mean? Wow. We're going to okay. soon in the full knowledge. But my, my agent, I asked him yesterday, I actually wrote him, was like, do you think we're going to go ahead with this? And he's Guns N' Roses agent. He invited me to do Guns N' Roses show. I was like, do you really think this tour is happening? Um, so he's like, yeah, you know, if we follow protocol, so we'll see, you know. And that's a perfect segue because, um, I mean, I've been here in New York. I could, obviously couldn't be in LA last night, but I noticed uh, Guns N' Roses uh, they had a. I was at a few of the shows uh, in New Jersey and also Hershey Park, and nobody was wearing masks really. But they had a sign up in uh, Dodger Stadium that said, "You know, if you're in your seat, you don't have to wear a mask. Wherever, if you're walking around, you got to wear it." So there seems to be some rules as they go along. But you said something interesting. So you were invited to to go to the concert or to be a part of the the oh, tour. No, just a couple. What if I asked me if I wanted to go see them? Oh, okay. Um, have you, since, I don't know if you were able to tell the the title of the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, so I'm just a little different than just your normal rock 
podcast. Everyone, their mother has a podcast. So I just want to stand out and be a little different. So I want to know if what I like to call the six degrees of GNR bacon instead of Kevin Bacon and, you know, six degrees of separation. What other than I guess you share an agent with Guns N' Roses, uh, what connections to GNR do you have? Um, are you friends with any of the guys? Have you seen them in concert? Um, yeah, I, I, I know, you know, I know them all. I don't, I don't know Axel, but I mean, I, I know Duff and, uh, and Slash, um, you know, in, as acquaintances and say, hey, and check in. And I can't remember where we were somewhere when they were on their tour. I went to, I, and I went to go see them in whatever city it was. I can see the city, I can see the hotel, but I don't know where, where it was. I think Philly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Philly. I think so. Um, so yeah, I went to you know had a real fun at the you know I went to see the show and, and all that stuff and it's like a freaking event. You know what I mean? It's like sort of a, an event with Guns N' Roses playing in it. It was amazing. It was just like see seas and seas of people um, and just uh, just enjoying the show and and kind of enjoying the day out. It's just so massive. Those stadium shows are just they they're kind of they're fun, but they're sort of. The, you know what I mean? It's not quite the same as, uh, as uh, I don't know, it's a slightly different experience. You know, it's like a, literally a, a sort of day out with Guns N' Roses. You know, everyone's like, let's just go out to that stadium and hang out and see everyone and drink. <laughs> so the idea of trying to police people to wear masks seems very um, ambitious, especially with the GNR audience. It's all like kind of, you know, bikers and, you know what I mean? Yeah. Some of people you want to order around too much. And uh, and I wouldn't imagine, I'd imagine there's quite a sort of a mask-free philosophy with a lot of the crowd. Yeah, I um, I'm not going to argue with you there. I agree with you, especially be- <laughs> being at Hershey Park. I mean, just uh, in Pennsylvania. Yeah, in Pennsylvania, I could see it. I, I mean, I did wear my appetite for vaccination mask in New Jersey, but you know, not many yeah. pe- other people were. Um, it's, it's tricky. It doesn't end up, but unfortunately, you know, and it's not. It's like I, I love that band and respect them, so it's not a slight on them. No, but it's like a bit unfortunate to, you know, have a, a sort of a more lax policy in a stadium setting, and then and then hope. I mean, I'm, I'm just I'm hoping no one gets sick. You know, you don't want that. But it does seem that um, if you don't wear the mask, you know, there's more chance you can pick it up. Yeah, it's all about limiting uh, oh, risk. I also think it's it must be terrible to play a show to people a crowd who are in masks. You know, that's another that's another kind of like real no no weird one. Or not no no, but it's really weird. I I mean we've been wearing the masks now what a year and a half. Yeah. They still look terrible. Everyone looks like Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> Everyone's wrong. It's just uh, it's just awful. It's just awful. I've had a conversation, someone came up to me in the grocery store yesterday and um the the very nice wife of one of the guys in Iron Maiden. And uh, we literally had a conversation in the aisles, like both in our masks. It was like, as I walked away, she seemed to be a very glamorous, beautiful lady. And I just thought, I know she didn't want to have a conversation with me with our masks on, you know what I mean? I was like, oh, it's so grim. When's these freaking masks going to go away? When everyone gets vaccinated, that's when it's going to go away. Yeah, yeah, no, I've been, um, I've been telling, I've been saying that on this, on this podcast, you know, if you don't want to do it for yourself, do it for somebody else. You know, that's what it's, uh, I read, I read someone yesterday, this, this girl that I, somehow I followed this interesting girl and she's like, um, I feel really sick after my first dose. I've decided not doing the vaccine. It's all about healthy eating, living (laughs) spiritually. It's like, shut up. (laughs) 
you idiot like why you you gotta literally commit to instagram like how dumb you are like really like you're gonna beat this by eating fruit really okay cool thanks for the science thanks for the update now go to the hospital and see people on ventilators Mm. you know like what are you talking about it's just like so ignorant and so dumb I'm with you, Gavin, like completely. And I always say, if, if you see if it's like a tense situation, um, I I usually talk to myself all the time. So wearing a mask makes me makes me seem less crazy. So usually they'll get a laugh out of somebody who, you know, is anti-mask or something like that. So um, one more, because I know I can't keep you here forever, and I want to wrap up with the uh, the movie. But you mentioned because um, I I grew up with Sixteenth Stone. That was you know I'm going to be 38 in a, in a few weeks. But I want to know where you were when Appetite came out, if you don't mind. Like, what kind of impact, if it did, had any impact on you and uh, when you were starting out? Um, I just remember, obviously, the first track was Sweet Child of Mine, and it was just, you know, I was in England living there. And um, I just remember sort of thinking what a superstar that Axel was, you know, like I just saw this guy and the way he sang and this, this, um, I don't know, this style. So it's just like, obviously Appetite is, is one of the most perfect rock records ever. And, um, so it just was a really stunning record of, of, of this style. You know, it wasn't the, the offshoots, the off, other bands, the kind of sunset strip bands, and their whole look, the whole thing that never really resonated for me as much as that, um, as Guns N' Roses. They just seemed to be of a style. Um, and it wasn't necessarily stuff that I knew, you know, blues, rock, and real rock and roll, but it was just really great songs and the standout quality of Slash and, um, and Axel was really apparent, you know what I mean? Like the kind of rock version of Lennon and McCartney or something. And, um, so I just thought they were really just a, a, an amazing, interesting band. I, I didn't quite understand how, it, you know, then came out the acoustic record, then there wasn't a record. It was all sort of strange how they kind of imploded, you know, sort of, that, that did, uh, you know, normally you have a band you like and they just bring out subsequent records and, yeah. you know, you can and you watch them grow and they just sort of had this kind of massive record then the acoustic record, then nothing, and then, you know, then use your illusion. And so it was, it was weird as a kid kind of going, what's, what's next? I didn't know. It was, I found it a bit confusing. Uh, and then I do love what's happened with them, that this one record they have, I mean, they basically played records, uh, stadiums off of one record. Mm, well, it's incredible. Yeah. It's, it's a phenomenon. And um, then all the kind of, you know, what is it, the Chinese democracy, 12 years, and I was signed. And it just was always funny to kind of, they always seem to be like sticking it to the man, you know, $12 million on making a record. And you know, <laughs> that when everyone came to studios, it was just like, I mean, it was only later I realized that it was there 12 million. But um, <laughs> <laughs> right. it just seemed, it seemed a bit like, this seemed pretty punk to be so, um, you know, like have that record and not just decide to bury their differences and uh, make another record, you know, this, they kind of went off into that whole tangent. So it was just like, they became this, like this classic record and this kind of tangent they were on, but yet still massive. And then they came back without slash. It was one thing. 
men when they get slashed back is at stadiums. And so it just shows that people, you know, that a record of that quality just lasts, you know, just when they come out and play, you know, Welcome to the Jungle, it's just, it's still amazing. You know, some you know, great songs in Paradise City. It's just sort of love. So when I went to see them, it was like, it was really good fun. You know, I really enjoyed it. And I, I would have gone again, but I was, I'm not in town, so I didn't go see them. Well, I'm hoping that you're going to be in town soon. And in concerts, I don't know how it's going to work going forward because I, I would love to see you know Bush come to New York City or Long Island, where you know this is my neck of the woods. So even though we can't guess what GNR is going to do next, I want to know what Gavin Rossdale is going to do next. So you mentioned that you're working on another movie, and what else do you have that we can look forward to uh, coming up? Well, you know, working on a new record. You know, we had The Kingdom came out. Um... Uh, last July, and we never got a chance really to play it. Even though it had a lot of streams, it was really successful for us, but we never really managed to promote it. Mm-hmm. So I think that in coming out to do a, an even bigger tour next year, if that happens, we'll we'll have a record. So, you know, just, just, just chipping away at new songs, you know? Very cool. See, Gavin, this was an honor and a pleasure. I mean, I, as I mentioned earlier, you know, uh, Growing up on radio and growing up the age I am, I've uh, your voice has always been a constant in my in my head since I've been able to turn on a dial, turn on a radio, uh, and so just to get the chance to talk to you, and it's very cool that you've been branching out into, you know, you have for a while, but uh, see you in more more acting roles because you've been you've been gifted with a wonderful face, Gavin, not just uh, talent uh, singing and, and with your voice and playing guitar. You seem to have it all. I'm a little jealous, but you're a nice guy, so it's okay. Um, <laughs> thank you, Gavin, and I, uh, I hope we get to do this again. All right, take care. Thanks so much. All the best. So that does it for this episode of Appetite for Distortion. Be sure to check out Gavin's movie, Habit. It is uh, available in some select theaters and available wherever you rent movies, video on demand, as they say. And I didn't want to waste Gavin's time with this kind of funny Bella Thorne story. I didn't know, because I guess I'm not that hip. I didn't know who she was a few years ago. No, she's been in some movies uh, I've liked since um, I, fr- I met her a few years ago. Uh, those babysitter horror movies I really like. So I was in this. If you've seen, like, you know, if you follow my Instagram, there's a like a red studio in one of our iHeart locations, and and sometimes not so much now since COVID, but we will get uh, guests in like Gavin or like Bella Thorne, like do those radio tours. You may have heard me talk to you about. So she came in studio, ready to talk to, you know, different stations across the country for for two hours. So, you know, 15, 20 stations or whatever. I forget what she was promoting. And I didn't know who Bella Thorne was. I just, I I looked it up on on Instagram. I'm like, who is this, this, you know, very beautiful woman? Uh, You know, super tall. And just very tall. I'm I'm a short dude anyway. Um, so I wanted to know who she was, and I see she has millions of followers. I'm like, who is this? So I wanted to take like a sneak Snapchat picture of her talking to the microphone to show my brothers, uh, my younger brothers, to see if like they would know who she is, and then maybe that would impress them. Uh, I mean, they knew, but Bella saw me do that, saw me take like a, a sneaky picture of her, which was extremely unprofessional of me. I could have just asked. Um, I, I, I've, I've learned. I've learned to do that. Um, and sometimes I just get too excited, but I mean, I'm sure she's used to it with paparazzi, but again, it was just like a normal, even though it was just like a regular picture, nothing incriminating. I still, you asked permission. Sorry. 
uh, not like she needed it because she, her response was just to do the same thing back to me. <laughs> was to take a picture of me on her Snapchat. And while mine just got seen by my brothers, her, I'm sure got seen by millions of her followers. So, uh, oh, and we, um, she goes, you know, I really want to join. I was like, well, if I had one, I would, I would join you. She's like, yeah. I was like, yeah, next time you're in town, we'll smoke a joint together. And she's like, okay. So Bella Thorne uh, owes me uh, a joint. <laughs> we owe, owe each other a uh, joint smoking session. And I'm sure she doesn't remember that at all. Uh, anyway, so habits. Be sure to check that out. And I hope Gavin gets the tour, man. One of those bands, Bush, I always say I'm going to see them next time. Next time. Never doing that again. I'm sure a lot of you are the same. Not since COVID. Um, I don't know what the next opportunity is going to be. So um, very cool to hear his response. Like, really? Like, we're really doing this? He's going along with it. And yeah, if, if everyone's telling him it's safe, he'll do it. But you can see there's a lot of hesitancy. And he just he cares about the fans. And he wants to do it when they're ready. So whether we see Bush this year as scheduled with STP or next year, you know, uh, he'll, he'll still be on the road for a long time. And uh, it'll, it'll be very cool to, to see him knowing I've gotten to speak with him now. And, and I got to talk to him more about Silence of the Lambs. Nice, nice favorite movie of all time. Really impressed with that. Uh, and I know this was a fun way to get back into the, uh, the big star interviews because I've been having so much fun doing these fan reviews with Guns N' Roses. And, and last night, uh, Roy Orbison Jr. was at the show, so I'll probably get him on to do a fan review. And he brought his, his five-year-old son, Roy Three, to the show. So that should be fun. Maybe I'll get Roy Three on also to do uh, an interview. So that'll be great. We also have, I know Denver already passed, and I do have a fan that wants to do the Denver, Denver review, but it's hard. When you have a regular job, when you don't work in radio like me, and I can you know, pick my spots. So, you know, I can, you know, almost do radio and podcasts 24 seven, but you know, when you get a job or your job, it's hard to do that. So, um, we'll, we'll, we'll hopefully get a Denver review, LA review, anything else, any other cities that you're going to? Cause I've gotten, um, some, I'm getting some volunteers for Portland and Baltimore, whether or not I actually go to that or not. So, any other any future shows for Guns N' Roses, as long as they keep touring, knock on wood, you are invited. Just let me know if you want to come on the podcast to do a review. How does that sound? Oh, and another big guest. I know I, I, I've been talking about it on social media. I mentioned it on the podcast, but I want to just keep you up to date with everything. Matt Sorum, scheduled to tape with him September 6th. His book finally comes out September 7th. Uh, hopefully you did not read the, the leaked version I did not. So right now I am going through, I was sent a, an early copy, a PDF version, so I don't have a hard copy. I'm, I'm more than halfway through, and I'm enjoying it. It's a fun read so far. And I, not a lot of people are like this. I love reading about the childhood. Like how did they become the person they are now? I think that's a big, big thing. So I learned a lot about Matt. Um. And the Guns N' Roses stuff, I mean, I'm not going to spoil anything. I'm not up to the Velvet Revolver stuff now, anyway. But I think this is a very important Guns N' Roses autobiography to come out before Doug Goldstein's eventual autobiography that I'm working on him with. Because some of Matt's viewpoints on members and management really aligns with Doug. And that isn't the case in some of the other GNR books. 
So it's been really interesting. I'm reading Matt's book. I'm like, wow, Doug said the same thing about so-and-so. Interesting. Hmm. I'll sure I'll be sure to give you a full review whether or not that's with you know, I'm not gonna give a, a review of Matt's book with Matt, but I'll give you a, a full review regardless. Uh, at least uh, via tweet, I'll do that because I don't want to do much spoilers. Um, and then that was also my lazy segue to please follow my new Twitter at the AFD podcast. So if you want to do a, a fan review, if you want to find a guest for me where you could be the co-host, best place to contact me, not just Twitter at the AFD podcast, but Facebook, Instagram, email at the AFD show at gmail.com. And what I really need your help with is trying to schedule my 300th episode. What I would love to do, and I know it's a tall order. You know, I did uh, my my don't damn uh, don't ban me episode with Rick Dunford a few few shows ago. That I want to cordially invite Fernando LaBase, Guns N' Roses manager, on the podcast to talk a friendly talk. I'm not out there to grill anybody, and I, I appreciate those of you who saw my tweet and, and just saying, hey, Brando's the nicest interview. He doesn't ask for clickbait. and You know, I got to imagine GNR management, if they do follow social media, they see a lot of angry messages about their style or the lack of production. I'm not, I'm not about that because I don't know what they do or don't do behind the scenes. I just know it's never what it seems. It really isn't. So I would love to give an opportunity to to give Fernando and even Beta an opportunity to come on here and just display their personalities and just show the family that adopted Axel Rose. You know, like nothing, no gotcha questions. I, I'm not here to be an asshole. And I'll, I'll wrap up here, but it was an interesting thing and you might have saw it on Twitter. And I mean, this might lead to a longer conversation another time, but... You know, you see some nasty messages from fans, especially when Absurd came out, you know, people not liking it. Because, yeah, if you want Appetite GNR, that's not it. Uh, And I don't know, maybe they commented on Beta's Instagram saying, what the fuck is this shit? You know, whatever. And she responded, you know, how, you know, what's wrong with fans like you? You're so nasty. And I get, you know, you don't always have to respond, but I get that part of it. But what she said at the end bothered me, and I will give her the benefit of the doubt that she didn't mean it this seriously, but saying the world would be better off without fans like you. True, the world would be better off without negativity in it, but as somebody who has extensively spoken about mental health and suicide on this podcast, along with Guns N' Roses, those are trigger words. And I don't like saying trigger words like a... Like a, like a, I don't know, like a millennial or something. But literally, when I read that, I was kind of triggered. Like, do, do, do Beta, like, does she hate me thinking like the world would be better off without me because of this podcast and, and her getting mad at it? You know, I don't think she told the fan to go kill yourself. No, 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 no. I don't want any of that to be the case. But if you are, you know, part of management, these are things I've learned as being a professional. You can't stoop to their level. And I still have that problem, you know, with, with GNR trolls and, and angry messages. And I don't get them a lot. But even when people write nasty things, not even about me, 
but about absurd or something else about uh, uh, Guns N' Roses on my my page. I don't attack them. I'll maybe do it with a joke or a silly meme, just kind of diffuse the situation. And you know what? If they're an asshole, let them be an asshole. Not my problem. So that should be the case with Guns N' Roses management. So that, that did bother me. But like I said, in no way, shape, or form do I really believe Beta meant that in the cruelest of ways. No, no. I think she was just angry because there are people who write asshole messages on social media and sometimes you get caught responding back with the same vitriol. But just, I don't know, be careful. So that's why I would want Beta and Fernando to come on the show to to show why, you know, Axel loves them. That's all, because we love Axel, we love Guns N' Roses, so we want to love everything around it. That's all. So you as the AFD show faithful, uh, if you see them at a show, if you want to tweet at them, Instagram them, not a, you know, nothing like a, um, you know, like a total, like a Taylor Swift fan army or, you know, One Direction army where you're just like spamming them with shit. But just say, hey, I would love to hear you on the AFD podcast and the Appetite for Distortion podcast. I think, uh, I think you would have a lot of fun. I think it would be great for the fans. That's all. That's it. Okay. <laughs> so we'll see. So what's going to happen for episode 300 or any uh, of the episodes leading up to that? Well, in the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, you'll see it, I don't know, as soon as the word. security, I'm going home.